Gentlemen, why don't we crowd around and go over the plan? Gentlemen, this is the bandit queen, the gambling den, cash cow, Sodom of the Mississippi Delta, and the focus of our little exercise. Here is Orchard Street. Here is the residence of Marva Munson, the charming lady whom you all met moments ago. Gentlemen, I'm sure you're all aware that the Solons of the state of Mississippi, to wit its legislature, have decreed that no gaming establishment shall be erected within its borders upon dry land. They may, however, legally float while the gambling activity is restricted to these riverboats, no such restrictions apply to the functions ancillary to this cash facade of business. The casino's offices, locker rooms, facilities to cook and clean, and most importantly, its counting houses. The reinforced, secret, super secure repositories of the Luca may all be situated wherever. Gawain, where is wherever? You say what? Where's the money? Oh, okay, look. At the end of every shift, the pit boss brings the cash down to the hold of the ship in a locked cash box. Then once a day, all the cash is moved down to the counting room. And where is the counting room? Well, uh, we'll be right there in that square where you point. And what to flog a horse? that if not dead is at this point in mortal danger of expiring, does this little square represent? Offices. Underground. Ha! Underground. Welcome to episode 96 of the Cinema 9 Podcast. I'm Michael Govia, that's Travis Roy, and there's Eric Branstrom looking over a fine bottle of something. Live and uncensored on the internet on our YouTube channel, Cinema 9 Pod. YouTube.com slash Cinema 9 Pod. You can go there and find us. Find all of our old episodes. It'll be great. Today's episode will focus on The Lady Killers, 19... 19? No, 2004 film directed by the Coen Brothers, a Coen Brothers operation. We'll get to that later in the show for our Does It Hold Up or Not segment. Travis, uh, it is now February, and the uh, Oscar noms have been released. Are you excited? We all know you love the Oscars more than uh, most people. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'm not as excited as Eric is for that tall glass of balsamic vinegar he just poured for himself. But... <laughs> 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 uh, 
no, I'm definitely, I'm definitely stoked-ish. I mean, I was, I wasn't really surprised by many of the announcements. There's a few snubs. Uh, I, you know, I am of course disappointed that Nicolas Cage and Pig neither, you know, that neither was nominated for Best Actor nor Best Film, which I was holding out a hope, maybe Best Actor at least. You know, I thought that'd be nice, or even original screenplay. I thought maybe would there be a chance, you know, uh, give it the love it deserves. I mean, people are, you know, people. It's, it, I, I'm getting big first reform vibes this year personally, but uh, yeah. Yeah, there's some there's some good stuff in there, and then of course a few we haven't seen. Mike, have you seen Licorice Pizza yet? Yes, let's have it. No, I, you know I would have said something. Uh, yeah, it would have been the first thing I mentioned to you. Yeah. There were opportunities, I suppose. So, oh well. Eric, how you doing, buddy? Failure. Yeah, well. Uh, I'd be okay if my buddy Aaron Sorkin would have got the nomination for best original screenplay. This is out of control. That uh, script was fucking fantastic. There's some upsets, man. There's there's some real upsets this year. I mean, you know, there, there always is. Can't can't nominate everybody for everything. I mean, in all fairness, I do think that that I'm glad that being the Ricardos was nominated for Best Picture. Uh Sorkin gets nominated almost every movie that he writes. He can sit I one guess. out. I guess. I guess that, that's the whole thing about the Oscars. It's like, oh well, uh, we just did it. It's like who cares? It's about <laughs> the product. This is true. Think of this shit. True. But uh, yeah, point. I haven't seen any of these uh, fucking tra- movies. Uh, I've got no horse in this race. Travis, right. did you want to give us your uh, top five movies this year? Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I will. We we talked a little bit. I know that you guys, uh, Eric, in particular, you, you said you saw two good movies this year, so you couldn't come <laughs> yeah. up with the list. No. <laughs> I mean, if if I were nominated, a few movies that I would have nominated, I would have I would have had Pig, of course, as I said on there. Uh, being the Ricardos, I'm glad that that was nominated. I think that should have been nominated. You know, it deserves to be nominated. I think that Tick, Tick, Boom should have been nominated. I'm surprised that it wasn't. I think it was an easy contender. I think that Green Knight was was locked out. I think it should have been nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. It should have been nominated for Best Cinematography, Best Director. I wouldn't mm. mind seeing it directed for, uh, nominated for Best Picture. Uh, and I would, and having watched it this past week with the expectation that it would get nominated, I absolutely would put Coda on that list too. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know what a lot of that means. I know what some of that means. Do you like movies? What is Coda? I do. <laughs> yeah. What is Coda? You guys haven't heard of Coda? This movie, wow. no. this movie's been getting so much buzz. It's really interesting to me because it's an it's an Apple movie that came out. God, like November. Mm. Got all kinds of rats in the wires. Sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> it's a movie that came out in like a while ago, and I remember hearing some buzz about it even then, and just kind of just kept on hearing more and more about it. What CODA stands for is Children of Deaf uh, Adults, and it's a really it's a remake, but it's a really beautiful movie about the one hearing person in a family who she falls in love with the act of singing and wants to get into singing. And it's, it's, it's definitely a great family movie and I really, really enjoyed it. And I was happy to see it get the attention that um, I think it deserves. Oh, okay. See, I am not familiar with that whatsoever. So something to look forward to in the future. Yeah, is there going to uh, be a movie every year about hearing now? That's cool. Last year we had another nominee with. Uh, it's only two in a row. Let's let's check in next year. See if there's three. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Right? Yeah, um, I get your point. So there it is. That's Travis's five top Ish. choices of 2021-ish. Yeah. Either way, I will uh, I join you on Pig, and 
I bet there was something else this year that I saw. I just can't really. I didn't see some of the big tent poles. I thought Tick Tick Boom was great too. We've covered this. So. Mm-hmm. If you listen to our show, you kind of know some of our favorites and what we enjoyed this year. And uh, Eric Branchum has also revealed his top five over the last few episodes. So if you want to go back and check those out, please do be please do. our guest. Didn't you? I think he did. No, no. Uh, I like being the Ricardos, Tick Tick Boom, Old Henry, and Pig. That's about it as far as like movies that I, I love this year. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of okay, like some that I was totally entertained by, but like these heavy hitters and these Oscar categories, I want to see, but with the telecast coming at the end of March, where, <laughs> come on, it's, oh, who gives a fuck by that point? Like, we're literally in like the second quarter of the year, of the new year. So, and they're not streaming until like March 2nd and stuff. Like, I really want to see West Side Story, Licorice Pizza, man. Yeah. I, I want to see all these, but like, I'm just, I, I got to wait. Well, in fairness, I would say that compared to most Oscars, I mean, granted, the 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 date that it's airing is later than usual. But for this point, mm-hmm. we have access to way more movies than usual. I mean, it's really just West Side Story, uh, Licorice Pizza, and I guess one or two others that, yeah, that, that are available. Be, but I mean, Spencer got went on Hulu today. You can mm-hmm. uh, Eyes of Time okay. Day has been available for a while. Coda has been available for a while. Mm-hmm. A bunch of stuff has been. You know, Netflix was nominated for a ton of stuff. Mm. Spencer for Hire. Um. Nope. Robert Oldie? <laughs> no. Uh, 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 Kristen Stewart was nominated for uh, playing, what's her name? Princess Diana. Who, who, who the hell oh, is Spencer? That's Spencer? Why do they call this? That's what that means. Who, who is Spencer? Diane Spencer. Diana Spencer. Oh, I had, I had no idea. I didn't catch that until I realized what Spencer was about out loud. Right. But if I saw the trailer, it'd make a lot more sense. And I did see the Kristen trailer. Stewart. Also wanted <laughs> okay. to see that one. Didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, boy, that's too bad. I, there's this Ooh. new trailer that keeps showing up on my YouTube. They're really trying to shove it down my throat for this Ted Kaczynski movie with this guy I've never oh. heard of. Yeah, I'm really trying to. It. They're trying oh. to make it look hardcore, like this is a legit Unabomber hot biopic, if you will. Uh, I guess he gets a biopic, historical drama retelling. Okay. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy playing? Him? I, don't, I have no idea who huh. he is, and I, <laughs> I'm still hmm. baffled. Is like this one of those weird movies about a legitimate? serious topic that's really low budget that's done by people who just wanted to make this a reality i i'm confused i'm still confused but yeah hey very doesn't mean confused. i have to know the truth mm. yeah very confused so at any rate this is cinema night podcast and we usually offer you our quarantine viewing picks it's time for suggestions offerings musings on things we've watched recently travis roy what has been in front of your eyes recently hmm. well uh as i said i watched coda and I'm definitely going to make that one of my main recommendations for the week, if not my top recommendation. Uh, you know, I do the same thing every year where I don't really watch a lot of documentaries throughout the year. Then the Oscars start coming. I'm like, oh, I better start watching these uh, documentaries. So I, I checked out Summer of Souls since that seems to be the, the front runner. What an interesting film. Um, you know, I, at the, the same summer that Woodstock was happening, this other huge event happening in Harlem that's largely been disregarded from uh, history. Definitely worth checking out. I, I did feel like it kind of maybe got a tick long, but it was it was good. I can see why it's a contender. Uh, what else did I watch? I watched Weathering with You. Uh, I, I checked in on this anime. I forget the the guy's name, but it's it's widely regarded recent anime or somewhat recent, 2019. Uh, it was it was good. I guess it was a little you know, little little cheesy, but that's okay. Kind of. You know, that's that's on that's on the menu when you're getting anime, I guess. Uh, 
checked in with uh, Nick Cage, stolen. This is a uh, he stolen. reunited. Yeah, he reunited with Simon West, who did uh, Con Air, and together they yeah. they churned out this crap. It was uh, Con Air got <laughs> shit. It was so, it was so just oh. like the most like five out of ten stars ever. Just so just like wow, well, who cares? Whole bunch of who cares on that one. Um, continue my Jennifer Aniston run with Friends with with Money from two thousand six. Uh, she plays like uh, you know a, a late thirties, early forties person in a group of friends. She's the only one that uh, doesn't have a, a a spouse or any money, and she's a pothead. And I'm like, oh, huh? They made a movie about me. So that was cool. <laughs> uh, I, I did enjoy it though. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Holof Center. I can't. Nicole Holof Center. That was she uh, one of her earlier pictures? Pretty pretty good. Um, I watched some. I kind of made it movie week with my students, so I uh, and, and a few different uh, history classes. I kind of watched some older stuff, which included Invasion of the Body Statues from 1956. I'd never seen this before. I loved it. It was it was great. I mean, it was genuinely still really fucking good. I was like, damn, way to go, R.J. Fletcher. Yeah, R.J. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, whatever his real name is, I bet you know. Do you know Kevin McCarthy? Yeah, Kevin McCarthy. I knew. I. I yeah. Hey, RJ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I watched uh, Good Night and Good Luck with my students. They were amused mm. at best. They were not into that one. I guess I can't really blame them. A <laughs> uh, bit of a dry film. With mm. my government class, I watched. I'd seen it before, but it's been since a long time. I watched the original Twelve Angry Men. My God, mm. just fucking masterpiece i mean yeah. it's just a, just a masterpiece and these 10th graders they loved it they ate it up they really did they loved it i'm like yes score um sydney a little mad baby yeah revisited valkyrie from 2008 it's all right still pretty good still pretty tense Tom Cruise. yeah mm-hmm. and last last but not least i'd like to touch on a, a, a series a tv series i checked in with uh, getting a Made lot disasters <laughs> nope, that's all you, Magoo. <laughs> I've not been watching Mayday. the plane crash series, although some would argue that that's exactly what I've been watching. Oh, because sure. uh, what I'm going to champion right now has been getting just absolutely lambasted by fans, <laughs> by by haters. I mean, it's just getting bombed everywhere. Everyone seems to hate, and just like that, the uh, reboot for Sex and the oh, City. Oh, Jesus. Which, yeah, okay, if it's not for you, then it's not for you. But I, I mm. Mike, you remember when I lived with you, I was watching Sex and the City. I, I, I was a fan of the show then, and if you're a fan of that show, if you were a fan of that show then, I see no reason why you wouldn't be a fan of this now. And again, if like that doesn't appeal to you, then just don't even check in. Mm. But I'm, I'm seeing a lot of hate from people that like the, that like the original show. They're like, this is so cringy. And I'm like, did you see the original? It yeah, what's cringy. different? Right, it's it was cringy too, but it is a, a it is a TV series dealing with women in their early mid fifties and you know a, a, a talking about menopause and trying to adjust to like their trans kids and like trying you know trying to like a, adjust to this world and trying to deal with you know widowhood and and, and all this kind of stuff that just you don't really see explored on tv much i don't think i so i for all the same reasons that i liked sex in the city i i really dug and and just like that but uh yeah it's getting absolute hate for most people but i'm, I'm gonna stand up and say yes here i, I enjoyed the, the the show yay well three cheers for that yeah. that's cool that sounds yeah. like a good time it was but by the way the, the uh-huh. movie coming out about the unabomber it's called ted k 
It's about, it's about the Montana years of the Unabomber's life uh, leading oh. up to his arrest. It no, stars a guy cool. named Shartlow Copley. Yeah, yeah, yeah Shartlow Copley. Yeah, you know him from District 9. Oh, that's the thing. Yeah. I looked up his IMDb. So all of these movies he's been in, some of them are all very well known. I have not yeah. seen any of this. I've never seen Chappie. I've never seen District 9. I've never seen Hardcore Henry. 18. Uh, 18. 18. never saw that either. Yeah, so... Every, every, every movie he chooses, it clearly, no, is, is just not Maleficent. for me. So. Maleficent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what that is. <laughs> uh, to Tobin Bell played him in a 1996 film, Unabomber. Uh, Jigsaw himself has Ted Kaczynski. Oh, that's a good name oh, for a movie yeah. about the Unabomber. There was a great Netflix a thing called Manhunter, which Manhunt. was already great. So yeah, you, Manhunt. You, you don't need to, yeah, you don't need to see this. I mean, I guess no. if you want to, if you're into Ted Kaczynski, go to town, but, you know. <laughs> well jesus man it's been uh been kind of a light week man like i've been hitting my grade book and really trying to like do more at work so it's kind of lightened my movie load a little bit uh a lot of spreadsheets but i managed to sneak in a couple oldies but goodies splendor in the grass kind of a drama romance by elia kazan uh from 1961 it's our old buddy warren Beatty's debut uh and I gotta tell you, I love the picture. And God damn it all to hell, I loved Warren Beatty in it. He was charming and he was fantastic as this youth whose father, played by Commissioner Gordon himself, Pat Hingle. Uh, come on, Robert, let's go, let's go. Uh, <laughs> this overbearing, drunken Irish father who demands his son give up his sexual sexual escapades and go to Yale. Uh, and I loved Warren Beatty as this conflicted kid. Like every movie in the early '60s had like the conflicted, like twenty-something struggling with their dads, uh, like thumb on their ass, like pinning yeah. them down, wanting them to, to, you know, be a man and take over the. It's this. It's that whole deal, but it's told absolutely beautifully by uh, Elliot Kazan, Natalie Wood, uh, and the great Warren Beatty. Like I'm, Elliot I'm Kazan, fun. sell out, sold everybody out. Hueck, not cool. That's what they say. That's what they say. But uh, name some a, names. A, a great filmmaker that named names, and uh, I gotta, for, I, I gotta, I'm not gonna forgive him for this. But uh, you know, it's a different time, and yeah. he made a beautiful picture. And uh, I celebrate the work of Warren. Every time I go back and watch a Warren Beatty movie, like, ah, oh, this guy's fucking boring. What's with this guy? I end up liking the performance. So maybe there's something here. Yeah, Zero Mostel was pissed, so I know that. <laughs> it's kind of weird that you brought that up in a way because I'm going to bring that up in my segment. So, oh, so really? all three of us are going to talk about the fucking McCarthy era? Because <laughs> we really are. Isn't that weird? Whoa! In, yep. in, uh, invasion of the body statues for that reason. Yeah, Bizarro. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's Red Scare Week on the Cinema Nine Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paper Moon. You know, it's been popping up, and we lost the great Peter Bogdanovich uh, a couple months ago. So I decided to check back in. A cute movie. Uh, I, I, this guy, Ryan O'Neill, like I've I, I still kind of really don't know how this guy is famous, who he knows. Like he's very bland, like yeah. in this he's bland. I love Barry Lyndon, but he's just like there oh, yeah. in it. Love story. He's just there. Like, who is this guy? Like, how was this guy in movies? Uh, but a cute clear, movie. Isn't it? Handsome dude. I, That's it. I, he just looks like Gutenberg light. He looks like the poor man, Steve Gutenberg in the seventies to me, but <laughs> But like very bland, but a cute picture. Tatum O'Neill took so, took on the Oscar at like eleven, and she's fantastic in the movie. Uh, so yeah, I, I recommend Paper Moon. I wonder if Tatum O'Neill would trade that Oscar back for a normal childhood free of substance use. I wonder. 
Yeah, and uh, um, a terrible strained relationship with her father, Ryan O'Neill, too. Like, like horrible, horrible yeah. 30 year estrangement. Really but a cute, cute. movie. Uh, and if you guys, I don't know, <laughs> that's I, cool. Yeah, <laughs> a cute I, movie. <laughs> yeah, a horrible life aside, a, a cute performance. <laughs> but Travis, you got to catch up on some Bogdanovich. I believe you said like you've never seen any Peter Bogdanovich. Oh, well, I've seen The Sopranos many times. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like a directed feature films. Like, uh, yeah, because Last Picture shows on Prime and this, and there's some good ones, man. Mask. But yeah, um, I watched Anastasia, like with Ingrid Bergman, like as like um, Annie Andrews, whoever, the woman who claimed to be Anastasia. They made yeah. like five movies about uh, Anna <laughs> Anderson, and like before that, that it was proven that she was not Anastasia, but a, kind of a nice like golden Hollywood picture that I enjoyed. And I gotta tell you, man, that that's it. More cold case files, months all mysteries. That's all I got. All right. I enjoy Bad Religions Anastasia. Excellent song. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh but so we go back to Randy Rhodes. The Coens do not make bad movies. They make good movies that aren't their various masterpieces. Just a little comment from Randy. Thanks Hi, Randy, Randy for chiming in. Appreciate that. Right. He says or perhaps I am biased, which is reasonable. Right. That's sounds like you're a reasonable human being when you say something like that. Sure. We applaud you for that. Thank you. Golf clap. Thank you, Randy. Golf clap. Uh, speaking of golf clap, I watched Men at Work, so that kind of segue. <laughs> hey. I really did. So. Men at Work. Things are different. Also, they seem. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. It's, that's a fun movie. And I'm liking it more and more. I used to loathe it, and every time I really? watch it now, I'm like, I, I was younger. I just didn't get it. I, I understand a lot more now. And uh, it's just a much better film, especially after I start to really celebrate all the directorial efforts by Emilio Estevez. So I guess mm-hmm. I'm kind of, it just also draws me in further. I'm like, I love this movie. It's so, <laughs> it's so goofy. It's so just like, so, Hey, let's, let's make a movie with our friends. Let's, let's get Dean Cameron in here, put a pizza on his head. It's just going to be silly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, uh, it's dumb, but if you want to have a nice time, get away from it all and watch, uh, the two brothers in their prime. Yeah. Estevez and Sheen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're doing their thing there. Their chemistry is natural because they're brothers, and they weren't totally, I don't know, off the reservation. Not that Emilio ever really was. I mean, mm-hmm. Charlie unfortunately has had issues in his life now where things didn't go his way, uh, but he was still a great actor once upon a time, and he will always have that. And that's why celluloid <laughs> preserves history, just like it did for Tatum O'Neill, despite her terrible childhood. We'll yeah. always have that movie. Oh, so, good. Yeah, We're back from Tatum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tatum and Connie's. Yeah, Tatum and Connie. So I, um, (laughs) I'd never seen this movie. I seen most of Mel Brooks's directorial efforts. I never saw Life Stakes, which has been shit on by society. Apparently, a terrible rating on IMDb. It's like universally panned because he had done a lot of spoofs. You know, coming off Spaceballs and lots of other spoofs for most of his directorial efforts. Mm -hmm. This one was really. A radical departure from all that. It's a, a different movie for him. It's not that funny. It's really a, a borderline experimental type film in a way, and it's not funny, but it's definitely uh, <laughs> it's definitely interesting. I find it. I, I watch the whole thing, and it's you're not going to get your typical Mel Brooks experience with this film. Hmm. But you got some Jeffrey Tambor as his rival, and you know there's two rich assholes trying to exploiting the worst of society here and a lot of big messages in this film and you know mel brooks learns a lot his character learns so much and leslie ann warren is absolutely wonderful in this oh, film uh, oh, she's, beautiful. she's so good 
Yeah, she's fantastic, too. So full credit to her. Someone I'm not always uh, hugely familiar with, but she was great. So I recommend uh, you check out Life Stinks if you ever saw it. Even hmm. those, you know, criticized. Give it a shot. Sure. Yeah. And then that reminded me of, I was just looking through Mel Brooks's past. I'm IMDb mm-hmm. scrolling like I love to do while I watch a movie sometimes. I always, mm-hmm. if a new movie to me, there's nothing more enjoyable for some reason than fired up the IMDb app on my phone while I watch the movie and kind of diving into the trivia and things about mm-hmm. the movie. It's just so, yeah. just so interesting to me. And then I went back and like, thought about all the old movies, looked at the producers, and then I went into this deep dive on Zero Mostel. So, and then the fact that he got, well, he was one of the, people that were truly blacklisted from Hollywood because of the HUAC mm-hmm. committee and Joseph McCarthy, the scumbag and scumbag. Apparently. Yeah. He was, he was not a fan of Elia Kazan said that, uh, you should have talked. You should have said what you said or something. So he didn't, he didn't come out and say it directly, but he was disappointed, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. That's the connection. Did you watch any, uh, zero Mostel movies? <laughs> I did besides, not. Besides that would be something I, I didn't even watch the producers yet. Oh. So uh, I've seen it before, but I will, uh, I'm going to watch some more of his stuff. Like, uh, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. I've always heard that title. I've never seen it. I'm going to watch that next, mm-hmm. I think, because I've never seen it. It's worth uh, checking out the the reunion with him and Gene Wilder, uh, Rhinoceros. I, I, speaking of spir- uh, experimental experimental films, I really love the movie Rhinoceros. Uh, if you're not familiar, it's it's the two of them, and the the premise is that everyone in town is turning into rhinoceroses. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to check that out for sure. Yeah, I love That's it. It's at least worth turning on, isn't it? It's worth seeing. Yeah. Yes. Okay, it's definitely cool. worth checking out. Aaron Worley, good friend, chiming in with, how about Solar Babies? Mel Brooks was nearly bankrupted on that one. I got to be honest with you. I'm not sure I've ever even heard of Solar Babies. You guys know Solar Babies? I don't know what he's talking about. Mm. I've never heard of it. Maybe he produced Stump I me. Mean, yeah, stump me too. He's a, he's a I, good fan of obscure cinema, our friend Chud Pud. He knows, he knows yes, some he of is. the... Some of the down and dirty gems. Solar Babies, 1986. In a post-apocalyptic future ruled by the military, a group of renegade teenage orphans oh find God. a legendary oh, orb, Bodai, that oh, can oh, supposedly oh. bring the rain Brooks? back to dried up Earth. It's not Dude. directed by him or written. It looks like it may have been produced. I'm there. We've got Jason Patrick and, yes, Jamie Gertz. As oh, yeah, I, I got to put this at the top of the list. Oh, God, this is weird. a year before Lost Boys, so yeah, this is that era mm-hmm. of the eighties. Yeah. Uh, wow. yeah, it looks like Mel might have been a producer. Wow. So if he was really dedicated to this and he wanted it to work, he probably dumped way too much money into it, <laughs> and it didn't go his way. <laughs> yeah, working on uh, the history of the world part two right now. Uh, yeah. old Mel. What? Uh, yeah, he's gonna you be a hundred in in twenty twenty six. Still very yep. sharp. Just though. saying. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I mean, his good pal Carl Reiner died recently, so yeah. he's still going though. So good for him. Mel Brooks was the executive producer on Solar Babies. There you go. All right. Thank you, Aaron. We learned something, and he also says it's insane. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sounds like I should wait and see it at your house one day. Maybe I'll save it <laughs> next time I ever show up to your house, Chud Pud. Uh, so yeah, I'm back in the habit of watching movies. I know it's been a rough stretch for me, but I dedicated myself and I conditioned myself to change, to get back to basics. I watched uh, Wayne's World 1 and 2, and I think Wayne's World 2 is actually funnier. Even though there wouldn't be a Wayne's World 2 without a 1, 
I just like a lot of the jokes in Wayne's World 2 more than one because they're really, really funny. The Kevin Pollock scene's hilarious. Uh, I, I like the whole, <laughs> you know, the dream sequences, which I usually hate. They're funny and stupid when they go out to see Jim Morrison and Sammy Davis Jr. in the middle of the desert. It makes me laugh. It's stupid. Mm. I like stupidity. And Mike Myers, he was in the zone back then. That, you know, he's coming into his prime, and he did it better than anybody in terms of that inane, kind of coming out of nowhere absurdity. So. Yeah. All right. Always preferred the okay. first one, but glad yeah. that the so did second I. one's over checking yeah. out. It, hmm. It's I mean, it's clearly a carbon copy with the same premise, and so I don't care about mm. that. I'm talking just about what makes me laugh more, just the jokes. So that's it. That and Kim Basinger's <laughs> she's really funny in this one too. So good on her for kind of going all out in the role and just accepting mm. that she's supposed to be this sex pot, this murderous sex pot. So that's funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so check those out. And then uh, I watched a movie that was really bizarre to me. I never saw it. I've heard, I think I've seen spoofs of this with not another teen movie and other parodies. Uh, never been kissed with Drew Barrymore. <laughs> okay. It's about a adult woman who goes back <laughs> to high school. That's right. Despite her awful high school experience. Second chance to get it right with her brother. Our old pal, David Arquette, is back. That's right. As the the cool brother who wants to go back and relive his cool days by dating a 16-year-old. He's 23, <laughs> and it's like, cool? And everyone's rooting for them to get together? Like, what? Really fucking weird, man. This movie, the longer this yeah. movie goes on and the weirder this goes to the very end and the final conclusion, you're like, what the fuck, man? This movie is fucking bizarre. <laughs> It doesn't hold up at all, and you're like, how did this shit get made today? I, I really question that this would ever be done the way it was done. A lot of gray areas with liberties related to high schoolers and adults getting together in social situations. Fuck, it's stupid. So, uh, I don't know. Sorry, Drew. I love Drew Barrymore, but, hey, you know, you can't win them all. So. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, I fired up planes, trains, and automobiles as I fell asleep. It's always fun to do that. And, it's beautiful. Uh, actually... Black Sheep came on after that. And I turned it off. I actually got annoyed. I love Chris Farley, but it was too much hijinks. I was telling Leanne, I'm like, this is some reason in the moment. I've watched Black Sheep several times. I turned to Leanne and said, this is too much hijinks. It's just every moment. The tie gets stuck in the car. He crashes into the marquee. It's like 10 minutes in the movie. We've already had 15 stupid physical bozo moments. <laughs> I like Chris Farley. A good example of this to challenge that is Chris Farley in Wayne's World 2, where he has just some of the best lines, the way he delivers them. Like, I hate my father, I hate my life, but I feel great. Like, that's funny. That shit is hilarious when he says that stuff. But, you know, the hijinks, although he's the master of physical comedy, he was, it just wasn't done well in Black Sheep, and I turned it off. Yeah, too much. Too much of a good thing. Can't just scream and have it be funny every time. Yeah, it's very inferior to Tommy Boy. Right. Very. Yes, very fear. Uh, yeah, I watched There Will Be Blood. That's always fun, but I haven't watched The Grizz Pizza, mm. which is stupid. Uh, <laughs> Rain Man. You know, oh, hell Rain yeah, Man man. was free on there. Yep. I haven't seen Rain Man in 25 plus years. Oh, no way. Is when they, huh. Yeah, huh? I hadn't seen it forever. It's great. So, Squeeze and pull it hurt my neck in 1988. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a... Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I don't know. It's good. Check it's it it's a fascinating film. Uh, you know they're they're killing it. They're killing it. Both of them. Dustin Hoffman gets all the credit, but Tom Cruise does yeah, an yeah. extraordinary job. That's what I keep so saying. Exactly. Incredible. Yeah, I think Michael Caine chimed in. Michael Caine. I read this story after the fact. It was a true story. Michael Caine found out he had a brother 
who was disabled and he was living in an institution <laughs> in real life. And he said he saw Rain Man and he gave, he saw so much of himself in Tom Cruise's ex performance and he gave Cruise all the credit in the world for bringing out all of the things in the movie that make it so good because Dustin Hoffman has the showy part, but Tom Cruise has to maintain himself mm -hmm. and show this journey of an emotional growth through a short period of time. And he does it superbly. So good on mm -hmm. Tom Cruise. I, I get, I give Tom Cruise shit sometimes, but he really was great in rain, man. Honestly, that movie gets better every time I watch it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good to know. Well, that's pretty much it. I'll leave it there. So yeah, I watch some movies. I'm back on track. We'll see what happens All next. Right. Who knows when I'll watch a licorice pizza? No one else. <laughs> sure. Uh, Wow, we watched Never Been Kissed this week too. Weird. Yeah, That's everyone watched it too. That's funny. It's absurd. <laughs> it's absurd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Sure, I'll watch that one too. Oh boy. Oh boy. Okay. Well almost heroes. Almost <laughs> yeah. John John Candy is a good man. Yikes. So. We'll leave him out of this. All right, there it is. That's what we've been watching. And uh, if you want to send us any thoughts on what you've been watching, send an iPod at protonmail.com. We always encourage you to give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform, which is available for Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can do it both ways, and we're happy to get it however we can get it. We thank you so much for your time and energy in any way related to our show. So, let's get to it. It's time for Does It Hold Up? The main event. Yeah. The 2004 film, a Coen Brothers vehicle, The Lady Killers. Sorry, Tom Hanks and Marlon Wayans. We got a whole crew of people here. J.K. Simmons in the house. It's going to be fascinating. George Wallace is the sheriff in this movie. Yep. Which is interesting. IBS. You be what? Irritable bowel syndrome. Is there a men's room down here? Oh, come on. You shouldn't be using the men's room now. Or a ladies' room. Quickly. IBS. Man, if you knew you had the runs, why didn't you shit back at the house? Quickly. You don't want Elrond finding your stinking ass on the crapper? No choice. It's a medical condition. Quickly. You want a disgusting individual. You know that? Come on, follow me. I feel 30 pounds lighter. Thank you for being so understanding. Not everyone is, of course, which is why the biggest challenge of IBS is educating the public. Afflicts over 2 million people, yet most of us have never heard of it. And it strikes without regard to age, gender, or race. Oh, fuck, man. I don't want to hear about this shit. Well, that's exactly the kind of attitude we're fighting. Travis, take us back in time. I think last week you were not excited when I announced this film. So take us back to your original viewing of this. Oh movie. boy. Well, let's see. Uh, I this came out in 2004, as you said. What came out before this? Intolerable Cruelty, I think, yeah. was the one yeah. right before mm -hmm. this. And before that was Oblot, right? Oh, yeah, brother. Right. Yep. So when when well, the man brother, wasn't there, and then oh brother. Oh, thank you. You're right. Whatever. Yeah. The man who wasn't uh, there, and then oh brother. It was oh one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Brother, it was, it was Man Wasn't Oblot. There, Tolerable Cruelty, then this one. It was Oblot, Man Wasn't There, right. Intolerable Cruelty, Lady Killers. Okay. So I loved Oh Brother. I loved Man Who Wasn't There when they came out. And I had been a fan, you know, since Barton Fink, I guess you would be when my uh, fandom of them started. So I was I was ready for some good stuff. And then Intolerable Cruelty came out, and I was like, ah, okay, you know, they're allowed the occasional miss. 
and then Lady Killers came out, and I don't, I didn't catch it in theaters for some reason. I feel like it had like maybe not a great theatrical release, like it, you know what I mean? Like I don't remember. Uh, it, it seemed funny to me that it seems funny to me now that I didn't catch it in theaters, but maybe I was just busy. And so I, I caught it when it came out and uh, was terrifically underwhelmed. And that's uh, that's how and that's and I hadn't watched it since. So until last night or the night before last, actually. So okay. And wow. and I will and I just want to say real quick, J.K. Simmons. While while we're while, since you mentioned him, I, I him and Jesse Plemons nominated for best supporting actors. I mean, why? Why? Uh, I like both these men very much. J.K. Simmons yeah. at least is doing some stuff. I mean, Jesse Plemons in Power of the Dog literally stands around and stares at things. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Even That's, he was on oh, Mark Maron's show and was like, I just kind of, I had to like find stuff to do for this guy because there was like nothing there. Uh, I mean, I like, I, I just don't understand why they were nominated. I mean, like, uh, good movies, but uh, the I mean, like, it just seemed like a waste of effort. Strange. Out of all the movies released, it's like, yeah. What the it, fuck? They just, it's like they think they have to nominate everything from the same 10 movies. I feel like staring can be powerful, but I get your point. I do. Well, did you watch the movie? No. Right, well. <laughs> but I've seen people stare on screen. So it's, It can be powerful. You're right. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman and Rayman. All he does is stare at the window for two straight hours. Harry Dean Stanton and Lucky's got the most powerful stare I've ever seen. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Eric, what about you? It was the first time you saw Lady Killers. In the theater opening night, I was pumped beyond... A reproach. I could not wait till it came out. Laughing at the preview, I was like, "This is going to be this guaranteed hit." We got Tom Hanks returning to his comedy roots after years and years of like straight man biopics and all this shit. I'm like, "Here we go, finally!" Tom Hanks in a straight comedy, goof times, Coens. I walked out of the theater just completely befuddled at the how bland it was and not good. I, you get that feeling. There's, there's times when you're in the movie theater, you just get that feeling that washes over you like 18 to 20 minutes in. Like, shit, yeah. this isn't good. Yep, shit, shit, this this is bad. <laughs> yep. And then you sit Uh-oh. there. If you're in the theater, you sit there, you tough it out, and then when it's over, you walk out. Don't even like say anything to your friends. You just go back home and cry like I did. Uh, I haven't seen it since. It was I, I've always seen it as this huge misfire. Yeah, that's uh, the feeling I got last week, so that maintains. I saw this on DVD about three years after it came out. I remember when it came out, and I was like, oh, yeah. I kind of didn't keep up on some of the Coen's work there for a couple of years, and it just didn't motivate me as much, mm-hmm. especially maybe after I saw Intolerable Cruelty being bland, too. Yeah. Although I liked it better when I watched it a couple months ago. But uh, Lady Killers... It made me laugh. I thought it was funny. I loved Marlon Wayans. I'm a big fan of Marlon Wayans. I thought he was hilarious in this movie at the time when I watched it. And, you know, Tom Hanks was just this. I mean, it was just an endless performance. It's exhaustive. It's tons of heavy verbiage in this movie for him. This character who's a master of antiquity when it comes to languages and literature and all these things. So, uh, you know, it, that was his role. That's what this guy did. And I thought he did it to a T. So I, and I just thought it was a weird town and a strange place, and I liked the caper part of it. So that's what I remembered enjoying about hmm. it, and, and thought it was, I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was, I laughed a lot. I, I really liked the exchange between this group. We talk about ensembles recently. We talked to, when we had, uh, you know, the Ravenous crew last week. We loved that when that crew was first coming together. We wanted maybe yeah. a different movie even, and then we didn't get that. So when a crew is 
got some cohesion to it. I like it, then I'm in. So that's, I think, what drew this movie to me originally. But uh, as far as its rating on IDB, I have no idea what it is. I can't wait to find out what it is. Uh, anybody? Yeah, I checked. Okay, checked. I'm going to... Hmm. What are you going to say, Mike? Well, people are pissed, obviously. It is a Coen Brothers. I think maybe... <laughs> I just can't see a Coen Brothers movie going below six, though. So I'm going to say six two. I was going to say six point oh. Okay. Yeah. Eric. Um, damn it! Bear with me here. This is uh Bearing. six point two. Oh, yeah. Right. Wow. Okay. Well, we're both right there. Whatever. So <laughs> that's. Thanks I knew it wouldn't that. go below six. I knew yeah. it wouldn't go below six or something. Yeah. Reason. Yeah. Like Coen's. I don't know that any Coens would go below six. I mean, just because mm-hmm. the level of excitement that people have for their and and. The th- we talked about this when we talked about when we, when we did um, the man who wasn't there that, and this is the same comment that that uh, was it Rand that that, that uh, right Randy that made yeah, Randy earlier. yeah thank you that you know there it's even a bad quote unquote bad Cohen's brothers movie is going to be good I mean look at the cinematography in this oh movie. my god what Roger Deakins here here does I mean especially the the shots of the police station I'm like just. Put that in a frame and I'll hang it. Yeah, it looks yeah. so gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, just looking at this fucking police station, you know. J.K. Simmons' eyes when he's looking down at Marlon Wayans after he kills him looks like fucking like Botticelli painting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really maximizes that basement. I'll say that or that yeah. root cellar. Sorry, yeah. root cellar. <laughs> root cellar. I'm not even gonna do that voice. Whatever that voice is. <laughs> How many times? <laughs> How many times did you hear? Uh, Forrest Gump come out of Tom Hanks in this movie. <laughs> Not as much as I heard, uh, as you pointed out when we did Cloud Atlas, the, uh, the the Southern gentleman from like the 19th century on the, uh, <laughs> on the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> yeah, very, you're right. Oh, I mean, God. Uh, <laughs> different look, but there's a very similar vocal thing going on there. You weren't wrong. Oh, he really does love that that character, doesn't he? You're right. Oh, Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes wise, fifty four percent from the critics. That's a splat, technically. And the audience even less at forty three, which is much lower mm-hmm. than the IMDb score of six two. I feel like I feel like a six two would equate to like a, I don't know, a sixty percent. Right, if we're equating numbers. Uh, critic rule reviews. Uh, we got a few of them here, and wow. I'm hoping we get Destin. I feel like uh, I feel good. Feel good about a yeah, I feel like this is prime Destin territory. Two thousand four <laughs> hasn't quite gotten on that Obama train yet. Um, Obama, Obama. Oh boy, let's see. No goody coons. Uh, we got New York Magazine Vulture <laughs> slash Vulture. New York Magazine is now Vulture. Is that how that works? I don't know how that works. To me. Uh, Peter Rayner says it's a both low down and effete. E f f e t e. A feet. A feet. A feet. Yeah, a feet. It's both low down and a feat. A jamboree of whoopee jokes and sick wit. You know? <laughs> and what? Sick, sick, sick wit? wit. Yeah. A wit. wit. I heard sick wet. wit. I was like, sick what does wet. sick wet mean? That Ew. sounds disgusting. <laughs> yeah, that is apparently very witty. A very uh, witty okay. romp. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of verbiage in here. A lot of, yeah. a lot of <laughs> linguistical jousting. Ah, ah, Shay now. Yeah, I feel like there's some, uh, that guy, that Looney Tunes characters in this movie is bizarre. <laughs> Jay <Leghorn>. Hoberman. <laughs> Jay. <laughs> what a dumb character. Jay Hoberman of the Village Voice says, there's the mind-numbing oompa rhythm of every gag telegraphed 
and every joke pounded into the ground. Wow. Oompa rhythm. Okay. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Oompa rhythm. This movie Oompa does rhythm. have big Oompa energy. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> and true with the audience. There it is. That's you know, Richard Roper popped in. Most of this stuff isn't worthy of the Ferrelli brothers, let alone the Cohen brothers. Okay. <laughs> uh, That's not bad. That's savage. This was after Shallow Hal, too. My God. Wow. <sighs> Jeez. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm still looking for Destin. Mick LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle He's never settles into an assured rhythm. And instead, the actors always seem to be pushing, putting the hard sell on an audience that, however distracted by the strenuousness of the sales pitch, still is not buying. Everybody's really trying, man. Everyone is just at, at an 11 with their performances, doing what they can here with the script. I think that's a pretty astute... Uh review there i mean that's people are like we're working with the cohen's we're working with this great cast obviously it's going to be good let's do really good (laughs) (laughs) let's give it all we got let's try yeah Yeah. oh we're gonna try okay Uh, (laughs) (laughs) he did the best he could with what he was given old lump yeah seems like he was really trying though yeah trying to take a dump really is mostly lump the dump (laughs) Lump takes Lump a dump. dump. Lump the dump. Man, uh, I just went through all the pages and <laughs> he goes the whole gosh. movie sound like Frank uh, the Frankenstein's creature trying to say his first words. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah Constipated uh, Frankenstein's monster. That's awful. Yeah, yeah. A shame. Although I yeah, so uh, there is no Dessin, guys. I'm sorry. I went through all okay. the pages. There's a lot of reviews, but there is no Dessin Thompson or Goody Coons for that matter. But this is I feel like Goody Coons is a little more recent. He's in the twenty tens. He didn't work back in the two thousands, based well, on what we know. We generally research Goody Coons the way we have stocked. I mean, research Dustin Thompson's. Uh, when, when you look uh, at these reviews, though, like the the general consensus seems to be pointing up up two fingers at both Cullen brothers, like specifically, like it's not even really aimed at anything but these filmmakers and our expectations of them. Yeah. So when I had to watch it last night, I. <laughs> I had to check myself like like I, I eventually like after like 20 minutes I just had to be like all right forget the Cohen brothers like I, I'm just gonna assume they wanted to have fun with something a little silly and off kilter and different cartoonish and I'm just kind of gonna try to enjoy the ride here because if you start comparing this to every Cohen brothers movie it's a that's a futile effort it's, it's just not gonna happen uh, Peter Travers says you'll have to watch the original film to see it done right yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, all of the Ealing studio comedies from the 50s with Alec Guinness, Kindheart Coronets, Lavender Hill Mob. And I, I remember seeing the Lady Killers before this. Uh, it's kind of a different movie because it's based in London and there's like complicity things with the old lady. Uh, and it's definitely not as zany, but it's fucking fantastic. Uh, it, it's just different enough from this to make that kind of its own movie. It's very like drawl and British. But yeah, and you got people comparing this to its original and this lackluster, you know, kind of shoehorned in uh, product that was originally written for Barry Sonnenfeld and he had to back out and they, it was like a pay or play thing. So they decided to just shoot the damn thing. Definitely letting us know how you feel. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not yet. I'm not yet. Okay. So. Shoehorned lackluster, but okay. Well, this is talking about how great it holds up. It, no, I'm, I'm talking about this. <laughs> I, I'm talking about this. I'm focusing strictly on the the 56 percent and the 40, like yeah. what the general word is on the street. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, last one for Roger Ebert. Always wildly signaling for us to notice it. Not content to be funny. It wants to be funny, all capital letters. Have you ever noticed that the more a comedian wears funny hats, the less funny he is? Okay, well, I don't know about that. I like hats sometimes. So, so uh, yeah, this, uh, you just made a point that I thought about what the Coens have done. And maybe it's impossible to ignore that, but yeah, you think about the Big Lebowski. If some things had been done a little bit differently, it wouldn't have been as well received, and it could have been a flop. And in a ways, it was a flop at the beginning. It really caught on later, and it's classic status beyond reproach now. But I feel like they done things where they feel like, oh, people will catch on to this. They'll understand this, and they, they like this uh, kitschy, you know, unique yeah. kind of different takes where we got characters doing stuff that's off the wall and I mean there's some real off the wall shit in Big Lebowski and other Coen Brothers movies so I get why they probably felt like they could just do whatever they want and people would probably catch on yeah I mean you make good points I mean I think that one of these filmmaker this these two filmmakers great strengths is that they take risks they've all you know they've never rested on their laurels man they they've always you know gone out there and made some films that you know you now then you'll walk away and be like I'm not so sure about that one but God bless them for for not just falling into a, a rut and doing the same thing. I mean, I mean, look what they did or what Joel Cohen did this year, a, a German expressionist take on Shakespeare. Like, a, <laughs> like that's, that's heavy shit. And that's yeah. very experimental. Uh, and you got to respect it. Yeah. Did you catch the, uh, the hail Caesar reference in this tour it were that simple? I just noticed it. it was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was funny to me. I laughed. I chuckled. Um, but yeah, what do you think of that, Eric? Because I think they can go in any direction they want to and feel free to do so. So I, we can still rip them if we don't like it there and they'll stand up to criticism because they know how the game works. It's a, it, the movie's a cartoon. Like it literally like plays out like a, like a Looney Tunes cartoon with F-bombs. I mean, it knows what it is. It's not like so beyond the Cohen style that it's like, oh, like, is this like a Wayne Brothers movie? Is this like a scary movie? Like that that team making this? Like it it feels very Cohen, not just because of the beautiful technical shots, but because like the the whole like comeuppance of characters that try to like um have no scruples. Like it feels Cohen. So everyone's up in arms, I think, just because like a lot of the jokes seem very much like like poo-poo and fart jokes which we don't normally see from the cohen's so i think it's just so inane and so zany that people just dismissed it as being infantile who's your guys's favorite character in this movie <laughs> that's tough, is oh, it tough me, there's no many or because there isn't any i, I, don't, I, don't, I might oh. be the general i like the general the general oh i like uh pancake jk simmons Pancake dog murderer. Oh, he's pancake. a fucking idiot. Yeah, Fuck that guy. Yeah. He ruins everything. I'm trying to imagine like being on set and being like, no, we need to get the dog more lifelike. People will laugh harder if the dog is really, really believable and dying. I personally really enjoyed that aspect of this film at this point. Yeah, in my I'm life. sorry about Dead that. Dog I, shit. I was That's watching the movie. To kick I didn't off remember a fucking that movie. I'm like, sorry I just, about that. It's okay. It's not your fault. I'm just fucking baffled that any filmmaker would be like, 
oh, this is so funny, even if my dog hadn't just died. I mean, like, what are you fucking thinking that this is a funny scene, having your character kill a dog? I guess they're trying to set a tone that they're killers, but the guy doesn't do it on purpose, and it's all just completely played for laughs, and then Bruce Campbell is just kind of standing off to this... Standing around. I'm like, what is even... Like, am I in a fever dream? What is even happening right now? But uh, yeah, I think they're setting the tone for how stupid he is, and this is the way they chose to do it. So. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it, it clearly intended uh, to be funny, and it's and it comes across as like, oh, not, it's not yeah, the, funny. D- the tongue sticking. That's just yeah. yeah he's like trying to get him out the mouth, mouth, and Greg Grunberg stand over like the dog is dead. Like it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be like hijinks, and it's not. It's like well, cringy as shit. It's a um, montage but yeah, the general of all the characters, favorite. right? So yeah, yeah. the general is my favorite character too. Uh, Hitler oh. mustache, notwithstanding. Yeah. Uh, I love the, uh, <laughs> you, they allude to a lot in this movie. Clearly, he was part of the uh, Vietnam War in some way. He's totally experienced. So they, this movie is heavy as, heavy as fucking a lot of stuff. And but go ahead. Who's your favorite character, Eric? Me? Well, I'm sorry, but every time J.K. Simmons said something, I laughed. See, I wanted like Marlon Wayne's character because I thought he still makes me laugh in this movie. He is yeah. funny. But he's uh, he's such a an in so much indignation within him yeah, as a character. I just can't I can't like him at all because he's willing to sacrifice anything related to his own personal well being first and foremost. Even though he's a part of a team, and in the way I love might be the most likable. He's the biggest team player. Uh, he just doesn't have anything to offer other than that stupid face and the <laughs> weird finger raising he does. When he, coach, coach, coach. And, and he's a good digger. Got to give him credit. He's a for that. what an incredible fine I mean, digging. The makeup they did too. Uh, I always think that stuff is funny when they do people who are dirty because they've been in the dirt all day. Like, like you know, they didn't roll around in the dirt or something. Makeup right. came out. Okay, we got to make it look dirty. We'll do this for an hour. And you could have just rolled around in the dirt for five minutes and it would have been done a lot quicker. But. <laughs> it Again, blew my mind that, that. Yeah. Uh, it blew my Wiley mind. Wiley Coyote that. blows up and he's all black. Like, J.K. Simmons literally <laughs> blew up and he's like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck going on here? <laughs> Uh, but I was really surprised to learn that that that's that Ryan Hurst is fucking Opie from Sons of Anarchy. I'm so used to seeing him with a beard. Oh uh, yeah, was, my mind was blown when I looked at his IMDb. As you you know, and uh, like holy shit, I knew I knew that face. It's fucking Opie. Yeah, <laughs> Does he make uh... that face in Sons of Anarchy? No, no, he's he's the best part of Sons of Anarchy, hands down. Yeah, he, he's good. It's much he really different. Was. Much different. Yeah, very yeah. different. <laughs> Imagine also, yeah. finally get the chance to work with the Cohen brothers. Your family's like, oh, I, like, what's your role? I, I do this. <laughs> I make sure there's no air in my lungs. And then I hang my tongue out. <laughs> Dumble, Dumbledore. Yeah, he's doing like a Dumbledore, a poor Dumbledore. I will say that uh, I did enjoy the point of view football montage part of that, though. Only because... Yeah, what a brutal game that is. It, it was like, this is awful. Why would you want to do this? You're just face-to-face with these assholes all game long. And was, yeah. uh, and I, I always love when a coach loses his shit on the sidelines because they always make it the most extreme stupidity possible. And they did that in this movie. So the montage is fun, especially when the general sticks his fingers up that guy's nose. I don't think that's prosthetics in any way. It looks like his fingers were really up that guy's nose when they try to rob the donut store. Yeah, but if, someone, if you're holding a gun and someone shoves both fingers up their nose... <laughs> Or you hold the gun and someone pulls the fingers up to the nose of the guy next to you. I mean, why don't you at least put the... I mean, even if you don't pull the trigger, trigger at least put the gun in his face. I mean, I was like, we've got two guns. He's got two fingers. What is happening? None for each of you. Yeah, None it looks like the general's pretty tough, dude. He's a tough customer. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know who's likable, but you know, you got fun. You got Never. a lot of guys, a lot of actors act that I admire. I mean, this is besides the old woman. Is there any other females in this movie? No. Yeah, this no, is a very heavy really. male in, in the choir, I guess. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but the she, church girl. I don't find particularly likable. Hell no. No. Hell no. Now I actually thought that maybe you didn't like this movie originally because I mean this movie is heavy, Christy. heavy. It's saturated with Christy. Yes, super Christy, not just religious, specifically Christian, religiously heavy. Super Christy, and here is this black woman just loving Bob Jones University. Like, do you have any idea of what their racial, which I can only assume that's a joke. Yeah, Yeah, I can only assume (laughs) it's on purpose that she's ignorant to their history. But, like, I mean, I'm just like, as I'm, I mean, like, yeah, both that time and this time, I'm like, it's just so fucking Christy. I think it's a comparison. Like, who's really the worst person here? Because this woman is so pious, supposedly, about her lifestyle she's living. But what does she really do? How do? Who does she help? What does she do for other people? And how does she make their lives better with all the other actions that she does? The time she gives to what she thinks are the, hey, I'm giving my time to the church, and we're here to help people. We got to show them the way because time's ticking. She also seems to be dedicated to a pretty extremist version of Christianity as far as the flock goes with all the rules or the uh, retellings of the Bible that she mentions. I was like, well, this is not my speed at all. I mean, I'm already not a Christian, so it's not for me, but. I mean, it's, it's not just her actions or words or her character that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It's, it's the excessive choir scenes, the excessive church scenes, and above all else, the, the fact that like there is a clear, I mean, this movie is like a, it's a allegory, right? It's a, it's a, it's all like a lesson. It's a fairy tale. And it's, I mean, it's super it's funny. It's coming from these, from these Jewish dudes. I don't think that they're into Christianity. Like, I don't think that they're necessarily trying to present this movie as a factual account of uh, the way, you know, of the ledger that is the, the cosmic workings of Jesus and Satan. But uh, the movie works in such a way, like the mechanics of the movie are that evil people you know, have bad things happen to them. And the, the good Christ loving person, uh, everything works out for her just by virtue of a bunch of freak accidents and a cat. So um, I, the movie to me has a really, really strong God centric, Christian centric um, vibe to it that just I, I, I have I, mean, I just have a hard time getting on board with it. And Othar is watching over her too. It's like a supernatural. It's it's part, hey, Christianity and supernatural coming together because he's in heaven up above the mantle, looking over her. In a way, it's like the cat is his spirit too. They're yeah. saying that is saving her, him or he's working through the cat or something. Yeah, Otho, what's his name? Othar. Orca. Orca. I think it's Othar. Uh, Lothar. That's how it was in the subtitles, anyways. O t h a r. Okay, well, they the script has to get the point across that the cops won't believe this woman no matter what she says, mm-hmm. and she is completely obliviousness to the world going around her. She's widowed. She lives alone. All she has is her. Man. She does not like. She does not like. The, yeah, she does not like. So yeah, I mean, and maybe that's why she says, "Oh, she's devoted to uh, God and, and and a thing you cannot see," uh, and she's just trusting, which makes her more susceptible to these criminals. Which I totally understand. And 
It's like, a, again, it's like a cartoon. So you have a sweet old lady who goes to church and like trusts everyone and is completely oblivious. So perfect prey. It's I don't think she's very sweet though. She's prickly. She's she's Big time. judgmental and making faces all the time and rude to people. I think she's mean. Yeah, even when, when Hanks' character tries to engage her after she shares the pipe, the fife that Othar made. Right. And he's like, Oh, did he blow the shofar? We're supposed to be this joke about blowing the shofar, but the shofar is a real horn thing that the Jewish people use in ceremonies. That I've seen it. I've seen them blow on it and stuff. It's just like a horn. So, but that she's super against that because it's not her thing and she's not familiar with it. She gets really agitated and annoyed. He never blew no shofar. <laughs> okay, but he's actually trying to connect with you. It's just an example of her that she she wants things on her terms twenty four seven. If she doesn't understand them, she becomes instantly standoffish. So in the original, it's uh, like a sweet old British, you know, white lady. And the cool thing about that original is she is actually complicit in the deal because she kind of unknowingly transports uh, the money at some point. Uh, at So the, the criminals actually have something on her for when it's time for her to potentially turn them in. They can turn around and say, hey, you're involved, whether you know it, you're not or not, because this happened earlier. Uh, I think Mavis is her name. She does go through the entire movie like unscathed, not really having to do much of anything. She's, you know, hardly even a participant here. There's really nothing to the character except her like commenting, noticing stuff and like being kind of funny. Like there's not really much there. That's why I didn't really like the character that much. Yeah, well, she, she definitely is a kind of character that responds in ways, for the most part, that are like convenient or inconvenient to the plot. Like, if you hear an explosion when you're getting into a car and smoke is pouring out of your house, I don't care how insistent this guy is, you're gonna get out of the car and check on your fucking house. Yeah, especially <laughs> like, how up hardcore and uptight she is, she wouldn't right, stand for that. Right? That, yeah, this is a movie. Where character motivations don't match up all the time at all. That's how I felt. So, I mean, it's one. Yeah. It's one of my problems. Like, are there cameras in this casino? Are you, yes, <laughs> you going yes, to use the bathroom during a heist? It's, it's 2004, man. They don't say it's a period piece. There's fucking casinos in the 70s that had cameras. So get yeah. the fuck out of here. Yeah, <laughs> strange. That's a wonderful point. I couldn't let it go. I couldn't let it go. I like the fact that he does a a sensational drywalling job after the fact. I mean, yeah, yeah, fantastic. very impressive, but it all would have been on camera in the story, especially in the vault. They'd have like 10 <laughs> yeah. cameras. I just get the fuck out of here with that shit. Yeah, bizarre. So I guess that kind of ruins the caper for me, uh, but I do enjoy this constant struggle between Simmons and Marlon Wayne's characters. Yeah, like they just, yeah. they're always on each other's ass and they're always, they just can't, they cannot let it go. They cannot work in harmony for the greater good of this situation. And we, we, he brings brings up the bit about he wants workers comp like extra yeah. money. He puts up a couple trial balloons in this movie. He yeah. says, oh, it's, it's, "It's a trial balloon." Don't throw it up. There. I mean, J.K. Simmons is so good. He is good in this movie. He's outstanding. He gives everything to the performance. I don't blame him. It's a character that's flawed as fuck too, in my opinion. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's such a fucking prick. With I mean, like like uh, with equal rights comes equal responsibility. Trying to like <laughs> be like, hey, I came down here as a freedom rider. You should appreciate me. Like, what are you talking? Yeah, like he's the world's worst liberal. Yeah, uh, he's the worst. Killer. Like, oh, I do this for you, guy. Like, oh god, get out of my face with that shit. But <laughs> but at the same time, 
you know, I laugh a lot in this movie, but then it does drag. You mentioned the choir scenes and the church stuff. I skipped a few times for sure. This movie, I'm like, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. Kept going. I'm like, well, really? I, some some of the songs I I like. Okay, some let's like, some, go back to God. <laughs> some of them remind me of like uh, like my family out home in West Virginia. Like they they all sing gospel. Like they grew up like in that tradition, singing gospel music together, like acapella with you know different registers and that kind of stuff. So I do like some of that kind of music uh, in a in a nostalgic kind of way. But there's just so much of it in this movie. Like T Bone Burnett was just like, here's every fucking song with Jesus in it. Here you go. <laughs> like, all right, yeah. we're getting bombarded. Like you thought, uh, oh brother, was a piece of work here. Like look what I've done for you now. It's like, uh, yeah, uh, I'm trying to double down on that Grammy uh, album of the year. Right, a bit much. Like that, right? Yeah, like, a bit much. A bit like. Or maybe the studio was like, "Look, we'll we'll bankroll this, but bring on. We want another gospel album from another the Coen Brothers, the people yeah. who brought you blah blah blah." Um, That's a good point. Having a, like lump. I mean, like he's stupid, and all these people are just characters. They're all one note, but they they set up this <laughs> this character in this first scene. Uh, of getting like nailed in the face with this football and like this is clearly like i don't think the dude's like mentally retarded he's just like concussed and it's just a running gag that this these these head injuries have just turned him into this complete moron that's being taken advantage of the whole movie like you guys talk about mavis like i i kind of got an issue with that it's like it, it did not sit well with me just like especially with the whole football thing. And this is That's right fair. around the time when the, the, the dialogue started to happen and you're just going to make fun of a dude who's fucking got head injuries because of the sport. <laughs> yeah, it's weak. It's super weak. You're right. That's totally fair. And I actually didn't think about that. You're right. But I, I also, I just dismiss his character entirely because I don't care. So, but that is a valid point. I used to love this movie because Tom Hanks carried the movie for me. That was a big part of it. I thought he, I mean, he's given everything to this performance. And he's got yeah. such a huge, I mean, imagine all the dialogue he had to memorize in this movie. It's a lot for oh, him. Yeah. And now watching it, I, I seem to have been less interested. There were parts of me that was like, okay, is this scene over yet? When I used to be like, oh, man, he's just, what a it's delight a, this guy is. It's an exhausting performance. It's exhausting to watch. I can only imagine how exhausting it was to do. Mm. Yeah, right? That's a great point. If we're exhausted, fuck. Yeah, it must have been a long recovery period <laughs> for him. But uh, there's something about this movie that they're trying to express too many messages in one movie. Like, how many different messages are in this film on meta levels or just straight up, you know, allegorical levels like you described, Travis? It's, it's kind of... I get lost and confused after a while. It's, I mean... The, the movie, to me, suffers from... I think it presumes that it's funnier than it is. I think that, like, I feel like the, the Coens are were probably really big fans of this movie and thought that everything there was so uh, hilarious that it would just translate easily. But there is some stuff I like. I mean, the the miniature for the Garbage Island and, and all that, like the, the effects for Garbage Island, the dropping of the bodies and the barge over and over again. Again, a little oompa, but... I thought that that was really well done. You know, again, like there's there's a lot of beautiful imagery in this in this film, and some of it is very metaphorical and you know trying to like make some point and and, and done 
fairly well. I, I again, like it, it, it's it's this weird conundrum where it's like, what do I praise as simply being a good movie, and what do I, uh, and, and what am I being too harsh about because I, I have high expectations for the Coen Brothers, but at the same time, what am I forgiving because it's the Coen Brothers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you nailed it. Like. The first, like, I, I, I laughed every time Marlon Wayne said anything. Like, uh, what does he say? Like, when, he, when he's like, uh, they towed the dick and sold the motherfucker on. Like, I'm laughing at that. <laughs> Bobby Joe. I'm laughing at uh, can't stop shitting, can't stop talking about shit. Like, all this stuff to me is funny. But, like, to think that the Coen brothers penned this script is, like, it's got me scratching my head. Like, it seems like they may have gotten some and help and not, not credit it. And, and mostly because usually they're so precise about every, especially in a a crime picture, like that's their forte, like tying up every loose end. But you've got Stephen Root's character like firing Marlon Wayans because like he hit on a woman who clearly was flattered by it, and yet he's like, yeah, you're gonna get replaced by the same type of dipshit that oh, you I, are. Like he's I not gonna get scared. I applauded that to, to fire someone for catcalling, regardless of how the woman felt about it. If that's how he's going to treat people trying to customers and stuff, uh, in the real life. world, sure. But like th this, in, in this environment where like this yeah. is his crew, they're all a bunch of clowns and like, like it doesn't yeah, seem like a, a huge deal. No one, who even saw it? She didn't complain. Like all of a sudden he knows and you're fired. I'll, I'll hire somebody else to do the same thing. It's like it was, was handled it? poorly. It, it didn't it seem like a kind of. Like, uh, an unnecessary obstacle, but I, I, yeah. I, as far as precision goes, I mean, I, the hardest I laughed in this movie was when um, Mavis gets down on the floor to try and introduce the sheriff <laughs> to the professor, but the professor's underneath the bed <laughs> yeah. drinking tea, and that, and all that, that whole situation <laughs> yeah, yeah. and the dialogue and everything that, like, like the way it was set up mm -hmm. from the opening scene where we see that the sheriff is used to dismissing her and kind of thinking, like, mm -hmm. so that was all very purposeful and very like contrived throughout the movie and it worked for the very end of the movie and then giving the money to her so i thought mm. that aspect was handled really well and it was to me the funniest easily the funniest parts of the movie was <laughs> was was him like was george wallace just rolling his eyes and being like this woman's fucking crazy and she's telling him the truth about things that yeah that was that was done really well you're right that's a good <laughs> example of the opposite of precision from the other one but there's also the fact that when she busts them because again J.K. Simmons is terrible with explosives, even though it's his specialty. Uh, whatever. Well, yeah. Is it, though? I thought, like, animal handling on movie sets was. What's this? Obviously, he ha he's not very special at the things he's special at. They do say <laughs> in the beginning, when he's introduced by Tom Hanks, he's like, yes, he's uh, not a ma master of none, but a jack of many trades. Master of none. And he sells her by trying to first tell her a lie about how the money showed up, and then he just tells her the truth, and he... Actually, the explanation he gives her, I'm like, you know, it's not bad. Actually, makes total sense, and uh, mm. I, 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 really, nobody gets hurt. I, okay, I'm kind of cool with it. it. He would have sold me fairly well, because like, what do I care? But I'm not this character either, so I will give the credit for in the end that she would just not stand for it because that's what her character would do. So kudos to you guys on making sure that character followed through on their motivations. But I, don't know, I can see myself saying like, all right, that's cool. I just leave and I'll just move on with my life. Just a penny from everybody. Exactly. Then just old a fucking penny. Orca, Ortho, whatever the fuck. <laughs> Orthar. Othar. Lothar. 
make all the of the hill people. By the way, the trailer for this movie says from the creators of Fargo and hey. Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Shock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that would. Uh, all right, a couple more minutes. Any Ooh. other highlights or lowlights that we did not get to on this film that we need to bash or give credit to? Uh, Mountain Girl. We didn't talk Mountain Girl. Hey, irritable, Mountain Girl. <laughs> irritable bottle singles weekend. That, that, was, that, was, that was funny, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, I will say that if you put, if you fill hefty bags with earth, mm. you can you will not easily haul them up yeah. the stairs <laughs> over your shoulder. Yeah. I don't care if you're lump. Or Superman, <laughs> <Love>. <laughs> like watching them, like just toss these huge, hefty yeah. bags of, of earth around. I'm like, my god, that would be so heavy. That was, that yeah. was funny. Um, uh, there is a line towards the end of the movie, which is the comedy must end. What's like, <laughs> huh, did it start? <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn. Oh, no, I mean three. The, the last three deaths in a row are so, so fluky. I mean, just right? fucking Final Destination all of a sudden, yeah. like, uh, come yep. on, man. Yep, and, 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 and the movie, and then, dude. And Lump totally on board <laughs> with with killing the woman for the whole thing, and then the very last second, nope, I'm gonna pull a gun on you because it serves the plot. Uh, and then accidentally shoot myself in the head. Like, oh, yeah. all right, that's convenient. Yeah, this movie falls way off the ri- after the rob the vault and they get busted. The last part of this movie is like, what the fuck, man? Mm. That's how I really feel about it now. And I wasn't sure how I felt about it back then. And now I'm just like, this is stupid. And you're just <laughs> finishing this movie up so like everyone's dead now, and it can all be a victory yep. for her in some strange way. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the worst part for me. Like as as we wind down, like. My problem with the film is it's just not clever. And like to, to think of a, a Coen Brothers movie that's not clever is almost impossible because they do things in movies that you you will never see anyone else make or even think of. And they put it on film and film it so exquisite exquisitely. And there's just nothing in here that I could not see from a Barry Sonnenfeld. That's or a great from point. like a, a Gary Dauberman or, or any other of these standard issue comp comic movie directors. That's great. I mean, there's there's zero surprises in this movie. Zero. I mean, the movie plays out exactly like you expect it to from the start. Really, the only thing that maybe would be a surprise would be that the cops giving her the money at the end. Uh, <sighs> but like other than that, like you you know she's gonna live. All of them are gonna die by their own, you know, through their own actions. Basically, like it's was not. I mean, to me, not a surprise. Yeah, and it makes it seem just like a self-serving effort. And this is what they were getting confu- uh, um, accused of in the early 2000s is just steering away from like these really um, interesting movies to just this shit that would make them laugh on the set. <laughs> and this is like a prime example of that. It's just like a first draft script filmed for really no reason. They didn't need to make this picture. They were coasting along on their own success. And... And they bring this out, and it's just like, okay, probably shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Probably should have done that. Whoopsie. Okay, well, why don't we uh, give our final verdict here, and does it hold up or not? Uh, Travis, you want to go first this week? Sure. Uh, Yeah, so this movie, 
Ah, I didn't care for it when it came out. I didn't care for it the other night. Uh, there's been, uh, as, just as the movie has no real change in any of its characters, uh, there's no arc to any of these people. There was no arc to how I felt about this film. This is this movie to me sticks out like a sore thumb in the Coen Brothers filmography as being, yeah, it feels a little. I mean, like now Tom Hanks is doing work. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. and Roger Deakins yeah. is is bringing it. Like there's there is. I'm not saying that this is like a sloppy movie or anything, but by the standards of the Coen brothers, it does kind of feel like something they slapped together in a, in a weekend or something <laughs> like it. It just doesn't have the same uh, authority, the same intentionality that a lot of their other films seem to have. It, it does. And, and when I, and when I learned after watching it the other night that it was intended for a different director and I was like, well, maybe that does kind of explain something. They're going to happily just kind of throw their names on the script and, uh, and, and take in some extra cash just for rewriting a film that already existed and and, but like at the same time nothing they do to me ever feels like a cash grab so i mean i i I don't think that that's what motivated them i'm not trying to say that but yeah to me this movie kind of mystifies me and you hit the nail on the head eric like why did they feel compelled to make this rather than just letting it slip through the cracks of hollywood which happens all the time you spend a few years on a project it doesn't pan out i mean it's easy for me to say i've never done that but still at this i i struggle to see where this would be like a personal project from their heart or something that they felt they had to get made. So, uh, yeah, for me, it never did hold up, held up, hold up. It's, it's not for me. Not for you. Ozar of the hill people. So I chose this movie cause I thought I really enjoyed it back in the day. I remember having a lot of laughs, really enjoyed the banter from, uh, the entire team this time around. It's like, there's, it's not really banter. It's just a lot of bickering and arguing constantly with Tom Hanks in the middle trying to bring reason to everything. And, you know, he actually, yeah, he's doing the Miles Dyson a lot in this movie. <laughs> Foghorn Dyson. Foghorn <laughs> Dyson. And there's a time where uh, I enjoyed it, but you know, this watch, I, I guess I just become less interested. I already didn't like the heavy religious Christian tones in this movie, whatever version it is. Uh, So that kind of bogs me down. But I know they're also setting the tone. They're trying to lay out a setting of a time and place. I've never actually been to Mississippi in my life. I truly have not. So I don't know. I mean, if this is an accurate uh, example of a town in Mississippi somewhere, I guess it's possible. But uh, it's a sleepy town, as they say. And there's cobwebs on the jail key. Nothing ever happens here. They show you right at the beginning of the movie, like, hey, these guys are asleep all day as policemen, and they just get annoyed by old people and churchgoers, and they're trying to make the best of the life they have around here. There's a Costco, apparently, because <laughs> some kid bought a sweet sound system at the Costco that annoys old Mavis. Mm. But I used to love the casino interactions. I thought the highlights for me were the actual scenes at the casino between these coworkers, but they're making fun of this guy who's huge. He's a gigantic man with a mess of food, clearly eating a bit too much, and they're trying to make jokes out of it. And now it just doesn't seem as funny to me. I used to laugh more at that. That that, that one coworker, he just shows up for that one scene. He's like, he's like, God damn! He's like, he's like, it's funny the way he says it back in the day, but now I watch it, I'm just like, just gotta rip it on this guy. Because it's not cool anymore. So I lost interest in that part of it. And uh, it's kind of a bland watch this time. So I don't think this movie holds up. But 
I thought I did once upon a time, but that's why we do this show. You learn, mm-hmm. you're like, eh, well, it doesn't have the same cachet. It doesn't bring the same feelings. It doesn't hit you the same way. That doesn't hit me the same way at all. So uh, this movie does not hold up. Yeah, I think we've said it all. I mean, we give credit where credit's due. Everyone's trying. And like Tom Hanks delivers these like beautiful soliloquies, soliloquies, you know, his his Poe verse and all that is quite well done. And it's good to see him trying to be funny again. Uh, and it is nice to see like the actors having fun and, and being excited about the material that they're working on. And in the if this came out of nowhere and it was like, a director that never made a film again because the studio thought this was a piece of shit and they they tossed him out of Hollywood. Part of me might be like, hey, I got a few laughs out of that and he got good performances and Christ, it looked beautiful. I'd give it the pass. But it's haunted by this name, um, this legendary name, two names. And it was actually the first time they were able to put both of their names as directors because finally the Directors Guild was like, okay, it was some sort of prominence thing where you had to reach some certain status before they would let you put like, co-direct. And it's like, are you fucking serious? Um, yeah. And yeah. Is it a little bit of a blight on an otherwise untarnished career? Sure. Uh, but I did have a few laughs, um, but it's still, it doesn't make a, uh, for a, a fantastic picture. If it, you won't be bored, but you, you could be very disappointed even in 2022. It doesn't hold up, sadly. There it is. Well, hey, that's how it goes. Sometimes you eat the bar, and sometimes the bar eats you. That's uh, right. Hey, Dan. Hey, boys. What's up, Danny? Woohoo! Good to see you, buddy. He, you can always catch our shows. If you don't catch them live, you can watch them anytime on our YouTube channel, Dan. Right. You know it'll be here for you at your yep, pleasure. Right. Or come check us out on Thursdays it's around 7, 7.15 or so. Eastern oh, time. yeah. You could do, do that, too. Live, yeah. yeah, if you want to interact with us. That's wonderful. We do like that. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. All right, Travis, it's back to you. The top of the board. Right. We're a few episodes away from 100. One more rotation. Oh, and boy. Then we're going to be cracking in. 100 with podcasting after yes. dark so give it to us all right well i've i've made my decision a little while ago and uh i'm gonna do a movie on one hand it's a bit of a cheat because i feel like i probably still really like this movie and i bet you guys <laughs> do too on the other hand it's kind of again like what we what this podcast is about taking a film that we loved at one point and haven't seen in a long time. You guys may have watched it more recently than me, but I at least, I mean, I'm thinking about it. It's been at least a decade since I've seen wow. it. Wow. So that's, okay. that's a long time. But this is a movie that we have talked about doing, I think, since our first or second episode. I figure we should get Broiling Roasten. Yes. Yes. Oh, boy. Yes, Sexy yes. Beast. Sexy Beast. 2001. Yeah. Sexy Beast. We are doing it. Hell Finally, yeah. going to check out. This uh, uh, classic among our f- friends group. We're going to revisit that next episode. Broiling. Roasting. All right. We'll be there at Grove now. <laughs> we'll be there Friday. Well, Thursday. Yep. You'll be there. Yep. Thursday. Friday. You'll be there. Tell get Ted you're doing lot, it. Yeah, get ready Don't for show me up now. <laughs> Shit. Tell Ted Fuck you're doing Janet. it. Don't show him up, okay? No, 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 no. Yeah. No. Don't show me up. Do not show me up. I'll tell you that right now. Are you swearing? I'm not swearing. I'm up, Jackie. <laughs> See, it's like I just opened Pandora's box. <laughs> you did. I'm pumped. Dude. It's been it's been 15 years. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. I mean, it may have been 15 for me too. It's been a long time. So I'm happy to oh, really okay. make this call. I watch this movie a lot, so I, I'm I knew you did. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. It's going to be a lot of fun next week. Sexy Beast and 
I've talked about this movie. It's always fun. No, 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 no. There it is. Yes, it right. is. So there's a little taste of next week. Join us for Sexy Beast Live and Uncensored. That's right. We're free of FCC regulations here, if that matters to you <laughs> right. in any way. I don't know if it does or not. But until then, I'm Michael Govier. He's Travis Roy. It's Eric Branscombe. Thank you for joining the Cinnamon Eyed Podcast. We'll see you. You fuck. Oh,